Well, with the exception of China, markets continue to assume the worst of COVID is behind us. Central banks are starting to tighten rather than ease. But China is the exception, with retail numbers very weak yesterday and the People's Bank of China lowering rates, not lifting them. But Pfizer's CEO has been telling us that life will return to normal soon. If we can remember what that was like. It's Tuesday, the 18th of January, 2022. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, a slight move up in the US dollar. It's up a third of 1% against the Japanese yen this morning. The pound is down 0.2%. The Aussie dollar up a tiny bit, 72.1 US cents. But not a great deal of movement, of course, because it is, uh, or it has been, a uh, public holiday in the United States, which means the stock markets have been closed. But in Europe, shares are up 0.7% up for uh, the Euro stocks 50, 0.9% for the FTSE 100. Bond yields outside the US continue to rise and futures in the US they're going up as well but at four basis points for 10 year gilts in the UK to 1.18% that's about 26 basis points higher than just before Christmas German 10 year bonds uh, might be about to hit a new watershed soon 0% imagine that <laughs> just uh, three basis points off it now and oil higher again another 0.4% on WTI up over $84 now Brent is over $86 Tampa Strickland is uh, with us this morning from NAB in Sydney so look I mean, we're seeing bonds being sold off, obviously, presumably because there's this greater hope for a, a faster recovery. That's why we're also seeing oil up, which we talked about yesterday. But equities, uh, the first week or so this year, they are sliding, admittedly from record highs. So that bond sell-off, uh, which, which I said is rising again on uh, on U.S. Uh, futures, isn't fueling an equity spike, is it? Presumably because the you know, because of the more hawkish central banks. Can we expect that trend to continue, do you think? Uh, good morning, Phil. I think how equity markets react to uh, central, be- central banks becoming increasingly hawkish will be uh, the thing to watch in the early part of this year. And mm. uh, somewhat complicating um, the overlay over the, over the next week is the um, earnings season. Um, yep. So I think that will also be very important to watch just exactly see how Q4 earnings were. And um, analysts are looking for a fairly strong um lifting in earnings i think it's a 20 22 year on year uh and we do get a couple of big names reporting this week including goldman's uh, bank of america and netflix um mm. so we're looking quite closely in terms of how that plays out uh, but in terms of the uh rate story it will really be about how high do real rates rise uh, and do they um, lift high enough uh, to challenge those equity market valuations that are out there, particularly for the big tech uh, names as well? Yeah, yeah. Banks are doing well, of course. That's the the, the uh, bank stocks up, tech stocks down. Really, it's been the story over the last couple of days, hasn't it? But could central banks, I mean, could they be acting in haste, do you think? I mean, obviously, they want to nip inflation in the bud, but will all these monetary measures work? I mean, the uh, interestingly, the the, the People's Bank of China actually cut interest rates yesterday because they're worried about slowing investment. So going in the opposite direction to everybody else. I guess uh, when you come back to it, you've got inflation in the US at least running at, say, 7%. Um, So the US Fed feels like it needs to get uh, inflation down. And there's only really one tool for that, and that is to tighten up financial conditions. And you can do that through a combination of interest rate rises, uh, and US Fed officials are pointing towards three to five interest rate hikes in 2022, and also to start to unwind the bloated Fed balance sheet. And they've also flagged the possibility of quantitative tightening, as you were discussing with Ray yesterday. Yeah. Um, but interestingly, as you noted, in China, uh, things are going the other way. And I think it's I think this monetary policy divergence um, that will emerge this year does have the potential to create some interesting trends, uh, especially in 
emerging markets. Um, so uh, what was interesting overnight um, was President Xi uh, from China was uh, addressing the uh, Davos Forum online, uh, and he was calling for major central banks in the West to actually sit tight. And his exact words were, if major economies slam on the brakes or take a U-turn in monetary policies, there will be serious spillovers that will present challenges to global economic and financial stability and developing countries will bear the brunt of it. Um, So it'll be really interesting to see how emerging markets react to uh, tighter financial conditions driven primarily um, out of the US. Well, which is, you know, sort of why I asked the question, are they doing too much too quickly? I guess... uh Time will tell on that. But when we spoke last time, you and I spoke, as I mentioned uh, yesterday with Ray, I mean, you pointed to 2019 was the last time the Fed tried quantitative tightening uh, just before the pandemic. It didn't work too well. So what makes them think it's going to work this time uh, without upsetting the bond market and the stock market and without pushing up government borrowing costs, which obviously are considerably higher than they were back then? Uh, Definitely. And it is very experimental. It's not a tool that there is a large history about. And as you're noting, the last time the Fed tried it was in that kind of 17 to 19 period, and they quickly reversed course um, after that. Um, So we'll just have to exactly see how uh, quantitative tightening kind of plays out. I've seen some estimates out there saying uh, for every $600 billion of reduction in the US Fed balance sheet, that's equivalent to around a 25 basis point rate hike. Um, so if you think the Fed is going to do full course reversal, then there's a couple of implied rate hikes coming there uh, from a tighter balance sheet. Uh, in terms of why the Fed may be not as worried uh, in terms of quantitative tightening, um, they've now got a standard repo facility, which they think may help um, smooth over some of those money market issues um, that occurred back in uh, 17 uh, to 19. But um, importantly, we really don't know how quantitative uh, quantitative tightening works. Um, it's basically QE in reverse, so you're effectively destroying money yeah. in that process. So um, how that feeds through um, into into the financial system, we'll just we'll have see. to uh, yeah. wait and see. Uh, China, of course, saying, well, don't hurry, because, I mean, they are still worried about uh, where it's all taking them, aren't they? So the industrial production numbers for December – 4.3% year-on-year year yesterday, which actually better than expected. GDP growth was also a step up, 1.6% quarter-on-quarter, although down a bit year-on-year. But it's really the domestic economy in China, isn't it? And I guess that is Omicron-related. Retail sales really undershot the uh, the, the predictions, I guess, because everyone was worried about going out or weren't able to go out. Oh, definitely. So uh, retail sales, I think, grew by 1.7% year-on-year, uh, and that compared to an expectation of 3.7. And just worth noting, prior to the pandemic, retail sales used to grow by about 8% a year. So quite a substantial slowing occurring in the retail sector. And you'd have to say all that COVID zero policy is one of those factors. And it's part of the reason why we think uh, Chinese growth will be slower um, again. uh, 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 Sorry, why we recently downgraded Chinese growth for the coming year. Mm. Uh, to 5.8%. We previously had it at 6% there. And really, the outlook for the Chinese consumer this year is really tied up to uh, China's COVID zero policy, uh, just given the emergence of the Omicron variant. Uh, And so what we'll be looking for is a tilt away uh, from that COVID zero uh, strategy. Um, What will probably be required, though, is uh, an mRNA booster rollout. And it's just unclear exactly when that will be launched in a significant way in China. So you actually may not get too much easing in terms of the zero COVID policy until the middle of this year. Yeah, which is a long way off, isn't it, really? They're saying, uh, some reports saying that the it got in, this new strain got in on a letter from uh, from Canada. 
uh, who knows? <laughs> but um, look, it's going to be an interesting year, isn't it, in terms of you know the the speed of growth in various economies. So China being held back because of the, the this caution, and then we've got the uh, the OECD, which is still sounding cautious when it comes to COVID. They've issued their uh, their leading indicators. Uh, pointing out there's a drop in leading indicators for Canada, Germany, Italy, and the UK. Uh, so we've got that whole Europe versus the US thing, haven't we? Because they say in the in the US, the indicators show stable growth. So slowing down in Europe, uh, getting stronger uh, in the United States, and, and obviously, as we've been discussing, things slowing down a bit in China. So uh, it's a variable speed economy this year. Oh, definitely. And I think that's partly related to how each country has approached uh, the Omicron variant. And obviously, Europe has tightened up restrictions, and the US have been relatively looser in terms of those restrictions. And I think mm. very much much in terms of how this year pans out will be how how, how Omicron pans out. And uh, the headlines that we're seeing are still cautiously um, optimistic in, in, in that way. When you look at the UK, um, hospitalizations are peaking, uh, cases are lower. And I've seen a few headlines from a number of UK ministers saying that they're set to ease restrictions on the 26th of January. So yeah. you'd have to say could, that, could that was a relatively quick tightening and a relatively quick easing if it does ease by then. Um, and then uh, the boss of Pfizer um, said he thinks that the Omicron wave will be the last wave um, that will require restrictions. And although he still thinks um, that we'll have to take booster shots each year, which obviously is great for... Mm. Uh, because he's the CEO of uh, Pfizer. <laughs> <Could> I'm, <be. laughs> I'm, keep buying my products and you'll be fine is basically what he's saying. But yeah, I mean, he, he is basically indicating that, you know, he thinks that we're over the worst of it. And I think, you know, fingers crossed that, you know, unless another strain comes from nowhere, uh, that that's where we're going to be, which is why central banks obviously are pushing ahead forthwith and uh, including the RBA, who, uh, I mean, before Christmas, you know, it was talk about, you know, how quickly are they going to move? Are they going to taper? Or is it going to be a full dead end stop to quantitative easing in February? It looks like that might be the case now. It, it, it does, and the primary reason is just the outperformance of the economy that we have seen uh, to date. And uh, over the Christmas period, we did get some stellar data, including uh, retail sales. And I think retail sales for November rose by an incredible 7%. And part of that was obviously coming out of lockdowns in uh, New South Wales and Victoria there. When you look at the unemployment rate at the moment, uh, it's sitting at 4.6%, and that's running about six months ahead of the RBA's uh, November forecasts. Uh, we get mm. uh, updated unemployment figures on Thursday and we think the unemployment rate will fall further to 4.4% and that would see the unemployment rate at its lowest level since October 2008. Um, so you'd have mm. to say it's getting very close or closer at least towards that Nehru level. Um, and then as for Q4 CPI out next week, we're seeing a trim mean inflation print of 0.8% Q on Q and 2.5% year on year. And again, that would be around 25 uh, basis points higher than what the RBA was thinking back in November. So in terms of labor market tightness uh, and, and um, progress towards full employment and also in terms of progress towards the inflation target, you'd have to say uh, Australia is making uh, greater progress than the RBA had thought back in November. And we think right. that warrants an end uh, to the QE program. And when you look at the RBA's forecast and indeed our own forecast, uh, we've got uh, trim mean inflation within the RBA's band and our forecasts have it a little bit above that 25 percent midpoint uh, to us it makes very little sense to have qe if you've got inflation forecast to be within the band and indeed in the upper end of the band over the entire forecast horizon right. but it's still obviously a lot a lot lower than the united states so are they you know and they have been very cautious haven't they so are they are central banks basically driving them down this road is that a, a chunk of it as well 
other central banks. Uh, yes, yes, definitely. And I think um, the US Fed are saying that they're looking to end their QE program by March and indeed uh, possibly uh, starting to hike rates uh, at the at the beginning of March uh, with uh, three to five rate hikes for 2022 is obviously playing into that view. Um, in terms of uh, the rate outlook for the RBA though, we still think the RBA will be on hold in 2022 and looking towards uh, tightening rates in uh, mid-2023. And the key reason there is when you look at the wages picture in Australia, it's just uh, relatively more subdued than it is in other countries. And we think it will take just a little bit longer in terms of getting uh, wages growth closer to that 3% plus target, which the RBA thinks is more consistent with uh, inflation averaging around that 2 to 3% on a sustainable basis. Now, I wonder if this optimism that's been brought about by Pfizer's CEO saying, if you keep taking our, our jab, you'll be fine. I wonder if that's going to uh, show in uh, the optimism in the German zoo survey, which is out tonight. We also get the UK employment data. We get house sales for New Zealand, the NAHB housing market index for the US and the Empire Fed Manufacturing Index. So we'll we'll take whatever numbers we can, I guess, in this environment, won't we? Uh, definitely. And I think the Empire Fed Manufacturing Index may get a little bit more interest than, than usual. It is a second-tier indicator. But uh, speaking about inflation, there was a very sharp fall in the ISM Manufacturing Prices Paid Index for December. And indeed, it's now right. standing at its lowest level since November 2020. So I think that Empire Fed Index, particularly the prices uh, series, uh, will be pretty important to watch whether um, – and I hate to use this word just given, uh, obviously – uh, Ch- uh, Fed Chair Powell is no longer using it. Um, the transitory word. The, the T word um, is whether some well, of that good side transitory is starting to... Um, well, that could be a game changer, a couldn't it? I mean, really, if we do find that it was short-term transitory and uh, you know prices start to fall because supply chains are picking up, then that could change the whole direction for central banks, couldn't it? Uh, yes, and I think it's very important to watch in terms of that. Um, although you'd have to say on the services side in the US, just given that pickup in wages growth, you're now starting mm. to see that broadening out of the inflation uh, story on the services side. So what you could see as people pivot from goods to services is lessening inflation pressure on the goods side, but maybe a little bit more uh, inflation impetus on the, uh, ser- yeah, got- on the services side there. And we've got the wage wage push inflation because of the great resignation and all that going on as well, of course. And we've got the Bank of Japan. They're sticking to the uh, easy policy road, aren't they? There, there is talk uh, of uh, perhaps talking about it. So there's no imminent rate hikes happening, but they are talking about how they're going to talk about it. They're discussing how they're going to signal it to the market when they eventually want to do it. So they're certainly not rushing into it, are they? Uh, certainly not. I'm not looking... Um for much out of the Bank of Japan today. Uh, their forecasts of inflation uh, are likely to be uh, lifted up a little bit, but uh, still nowhere close to that uh, 2% target that they've been trying to aim for for quite some time. All right. All right. Yeah, when we have big inflation in Japan, we know we've got something to worry about. Uh, good to talk, Tapas. Uh, happy New Year. We'll, uh, we'll talk again to you soon. Thank you. Cheers. Happy New Year. Thanks. <laughs> 18th of January. Probably a bit late to be saying Happy New Year, but I haven't spoken to him uh, this year. That's it from me. I'm Phil Dobby for now. Back again tomorrow morning. See you then.